Not much. What a day for Yankee baseball, huh? I mean, yeah. I mean, they made Justin Bieber. No, they made Shane Bieber actually look like Justin Bieber. Four and two-thirds, seven runs. Not what you want from a guy that's about to win the Cy Young. And my man, Brett Garner, was like, let's go. Screw that red-headed twit. The Guardy party don't stop. For any red thunder. This is one thousand, one thousand percent what you want. This is so much what you want that when Guardy hit that big RBI double, Clint was like, "Yo, how am I supposed to play tomorrow, bro? Come on, son. Come on. But we'll table this for now." Because, you know, we're about to have the amazing Emily Van Buskirk on. We we had her on about five, six weeks ago. She's fantastic. She's smart. She's knowledgeable. And if y'all don't think so, well, stick around and hear her, lady. I'm excited for Emily. It's great, it's great that she's going to be back on. Um, it's, I can't wait to talk, to talk with Emily. Let's do it. So, Emily, how has it been going for you these past couple of weeks going to games? It has been an experience. Um, covering college football in the COVID era is definitely a unique experience. You go through a lot of different channels and you enter stadiums a different way and those stadiums are often empty or filled to just a small capacity. So, the way the game looks um, from that perspective is different, but the football has still been extremely fun to watch and to cover, and I've been fortunate to get to see some good programs and cover some good games so far, so that's been good. Emily, it's James, and welcome back. I'm glad that you're back on and we can talk some college football, but since, since COVID is the jumping part of all, especially what happened at the NFL, let's talk about what happened with Notre Dame? There, there apparently there's a big outbreak. Um, what here? Um, what's going on with them? I honestly haven't. Um, I haven't seen any news other than that they've had the outbreak. But I have talked to a couple of programs, um, which I, I won't mention by name. But I will say that some of the coaches have been concerned with a rash of what they call false positives. So there's been a couple players, or, and maybe more than a couple, more than we probably know, that have tested positive for COVID or trace, you know, amounts of COVID, and those have been, they, they haven't had symptoms or they've been found to be false positive, um, and that amount of testing has been hard on a lot of programs, especially smaller programs. Now, I imagine a football program like Notre Dame has the resources to deal with this kind of stuff and test and retest and, and do all that. But if you look at smaller programs across the country in the, in the G5 conferences, they have a harder time just getting, you know, enough tests for everybody, let alone being able to do multiple tests in a week to kind of offset those false positives and other things that are going on. So there is definitely a disparity when it comes to this kind of stuff, and we're really seeing that chasm between, you know, the haves and the have-nots. Yeah, it just goes crazy because it even hit the NFL how the Titans might have to play a game with only one practice. Like, I I can imagine 
And and what do you think the penalties would be for e- for either college or you know NFL if it's found out that the coaches knew, but they let them play anyway? I think that the penalties will probably be pretty fierce if that happens. But to my knowledge, and all the coaches that I've spoke to, that that kind of stuff is not going on at least in the college programs that I've that I've dealt with and talked to. They're very straightforward about reporting because they know that if they do try and conceal that kind of stuff, it's only going to have negative effects on the program and and kind of implode it internally if they don't report and they don't keep the guys that do test positive away. So I think they're smarter than that, I would hope. Now, I I can't speak to the NFL level and what they'll do because those guys are paid, you know, salaried athletes, but it's a different, it's kind of a whole different animal. in that regard, but I know with college, at least, they're, they're doing the best that they can. Um, now, on a, on a little bit of a positive note, you've seen some good football. Um, were you surprised about um, Kansas, uh, I think it was Kansas State upset over Oklahoma? What do you thought about that? Because there were some upsets. Yeah, there have, been, um, there have been some upsets in the college football world. I, I mean, look at Mississippi State LSU. I just... I just had Chrissy Freud on my podcast tonight, and we were talking about that game because she was there covering it um, for LSU, and and a lot of people were surprised that Mississippi State, you know, usurped the national championship team, and and then KJ Costello, former Stanford quarterback, goes off for 600 yards, and Mike Leach is air raid, you know how it fares in the SEC. So we've definitely seen some games like that, but the Kansas State game kind of caught me um, by surprise. I was unable to watch the actual game because I was covering a game myself. But I heard, you know, Oklahoma just did not look like the program. Now, you have to expect that some of these teams, even the best teams, when they come in contact with, like, teams that are decent, it's going to be a struggle because they haven't had the regular amount of preparation um, leading into these games. You know, I don't know what Oklahoma's camp looked like or if they were even able to do contact practices and whatnot, but we definitely have to remember that some programs haven't been able to do that. I mean, that was the case with Navy when they went into these games and just were completely, you know, they looked completely out of it because they they were not, in fact, running um, tackle and contact practices. And that makes a difference when when you come into the game and you haven't hit anybody in person yet. So I think that's why we're going to see some of these upsets um, over the next couple weeks. Do you have to pass a test every time before you can go into a stadium? That's a good question. I think most, a lot of stadiums are different. I've been to four different ones now, and each time I have definitely had to fill out um, some sort of screening um, online where you answer questions about, you know, have you tested positive for COVID? Have you come in contact? with people that have tested positive, um, and you have to answer those truthfully, and then when you pass that, you show that to the security outside the stadium before they let you in, and then several of the stadiums have actually taken my temperature before I go inside as well to make sure that you're not running a fever um, and putting anybody at risk. So aside from those two things, and they don't require you to get a COVID test, I do get tested pretty regularly with all my travel just to be safe, but... Um, you do have to go through at least those two. And then when you get into the press box, which is pretty much the only place you're allowed to go, it's definitely different. They have everybody spaced, 
you know, two spaces in between. A lot of them have plexiglass um, <laughs> windows around your station, so you're kind of like in this little bubble and box lunches and, and there's no paper uh, to be had. Everything's digital, so it's definitely different, but I'm glad that programs were able to figure this out and make everybody safe so that we could cover games. Um, how has Alabama looked? That's a really good question. You know, Chrissy and I were just talking about that. I think Alabama is still Alabama. You know, they're, they're still a good team. And despite having to replace a quarterback and everybody's concerns about how that would affect them as a team, I think they're still going to be that group that everyone's chasing. And I didn't get to see their game um, either, unfortunately. That's the, the annoying thing about having – not annoying, the unfortunate thing about having to cover – games in person is, you know, you really don't get to watch as many of the other games as you want to see. So you, you don't get to see them unless you watch the replay. Um, that's why this weekend I'm actually staying home so that I can watch all of the games and take a little break from everything. But I think Alabama's going to be the team that everyone's chasing at this point. Although I personally really liked, I was able to see some of the Florida games, and I really, really liked how they looked both offensively and defensively. I think they're going to be the team to beat the people. Ooh. That's, that's <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's funny. Like, I, when, when I think of Florida, I think of the greatness of Tim Tebow, and it's good to see Florida coming back on the map. Um, I, know, although, I know you probably didn't get to see this game. I don't know if this was the game that you covered, but Texas, Texas Tech, but I think the Texas Tech quarterback did, did the whole um, Longhorn thing when they were and they went there up by 14, and then they came back, Texas came back, and ultimately won that game of, what were your thoughts on that Texas Tech quarterback? They, they got a little ahead of themselves, and then Carmen came back and fight him. Yeah, I think it's so funny because I was looking at the score at that game, and I was watching it, and um, you always get – like, you wonder, how is Texas Tech, a program that's been struggling definitely in the past couple of years, how, how are they, you know, putting up this game against Texas? And it just comes down to rivalry. You know, um, every time you have two teams that are, are big rivals and they go into the game, it's, it's a, you can't predict it. You know, that's when these teams, for some reason, they come out swinging. And Alan Bowman, I mean, I think he's a good quarterback, and I think Texas Tech always has good quarterbacks. Traditionally, if you look back over the years, that's kind of been their thing, and um, they just don't always have the stuff around them. So I wasn't surprised that they gave him a run there against Texas, against Texas, but I do think it's funny. The horns down thing, I've seen the guys do that before when they score the touchdowns, but yes, you have to be sure if you're doing that that you have the momentum to win the game because it looks a little silly later when you don't pull it off. <laughs> What's it like? going through all these stadiums and seeing the games, knowing that you're one of the selected few that can actually do that in 2020? Yeah, it's definitely, I feel I feel a lot more of a responsibility to share with everybody that follows along on social or get through my stories. I really, I feel that responsibility to tell and paint the picture of what's going on there since people can't be at the games. I, I want them to understand what the stadiums feel like when they're empty and, you know, what the, the vibe is on the field with the, the 
players and the coaches. And um, so I'm definitely taking it a, a lot more seriously from a writing perspective and from a social media perspective, trying to put together videos and clips and tweets that are going to help people understand what is really going on in this game and what it feels like and just having fun with it. And, that, and also, this is giving us a chance to showcase players that many people probably haven't heard of. I mean, we've seen guys from Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, you know, make statistical leaderboards. And we've seen guys from Southern Miss, you know, the Eagles, a team that probably nobody on national media watches. But we're getting to see players and teams that have really gotten little to no spotlight, but they're now getting the stage to show the college football world what they can do and, and what they bring to the table so that has been really fun and just trying to use my platform and my ability at the game to shine light on those things what do you think of the pac 12 announcing that they're going to have a seven game schedule starting in i think either late october or early november i think it's going to be november 7th is what they decided on seven game schedule all conference and they'll have one crossover i believe i I think it's so interesting because we look back in August and it was like the world was on, the college football world was on fire. You know, everything is just fire sale. We're shutting things down. We're not going to play. There's no way to do it. And then we fast forward a couple months and slowly people are saying, okay, there are ways to keep these things safe. But understanding that you can't shut down a virus forever. That's just not how it works. At some point, it's going to run its way through things. And the teams that were able to have players on campus earlier and kind of get that rash of, of the virus out of the way early on are, are doing well now, not having positive tests and able to focus on the game and not worry about that COVID stuff. But I just, I think it's funny that the Pac-12 did the complete, you know, 180 and decided, okay, we are going to play. This is how we're going to do it. If teams had just approached, teams and conferences, I should say, had approached it differently in August and, and been understandably cautious, but not having Newsom crazy and shutting everything down, then I feel like we wouldn't be playing this game where now what does it mean that the Pac-12 only plays seven games? What does it mean that they only play each other? Is that going to be enough to put them in a national conversation? Because now there's all these questions and answers around the season that we can't answer and we can't explain. So it, it makes it uncomfortable for the kids, I think, that are just trying to either play one of their years or put enough film out there so they can enter the draft. It's, I think they're suffering the most. So I feel bad for the tactical players that they're at this disadvantage, but I'm also glad that they're finally getting to be able to play. So, At any point, will you try to go see Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I was actually looking. Um, yes, I will definitely try to go to Clemson. It's one of my favorite venues to cover games in. I was able, I was lucky to go there last year when they played um, Texas and them early in the season. It was a great game. Um, they have a fantastic athletic department. Their people do great work and they're very helpful. And I was fortunate enough to cover them, you know, in the festival and then I was able to cover them at the Natty. So I've definitely been around Clemson. I love the guys. I'm going to try and go out there. I was thinking about, they're playing Miami in two weeks, I think next week or the week after, and I wanted to go out for that game because Miami's a team that I also think is very, very good this year, um, as we've seen with Derek King. And I recently did a story on their kicker, Jose Borregales, because I think he's phenomenal. But I think a Clemson-Miami game 
is, is one I definitely want to be at because I think that's going to show what both teams truly are made of. We've only seen them play certain teams so far. I think that's going to be a real push on both sides. So I'm definitely going to go to Clemson at some point. Uh, what what do you think, what are your thoughts of about, I guess you could say the whole on the FCS when they're going to start in January, and I feel like this is going to have an impact on the NFL draft. So what are your thoughts on them deciding to do spring football? Well, I was actually really interested in seeing how all of this relates to the draft because everything I've been told the the draft is not going to be moved so I don't really know how that championship in the spring you know with 15 teams or however they're going to do it I don't know how I think that's obviously not going to coincide with draft stuff so I, you have to believe that NFL is going to try and make some accompaniment for that and, and try and work with them but Everything I've been told is that the draft is the draft, and that's not going to be, that's not going to change. So I don't really know how that's going to work. Honestly, I'm looking like you guys are. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I'm I'm interested to see because this is such a record. Like nothing's ever happened like this before, so we have no idea how to proceed. So everyone's just kind of figuring it out as we go. With it, especially being COVID and him potentially being the first pick of the draft. Are you shocked that Trevor Lawrence is playing this year? I am not shocked at all. I think it really speaks to the kind of person that he is and his character and the kind of culture that Dabo has built, you know, at Clemson. Those, there has not been a team that I've been around where I've noticed that kind of brotherhood. I mean, every team has some sort of brother dynamic and they're all brothers in arms and, and go play for each other, but... It was especially noticeable when I was around Clemson and just getting to talk to the guys and seeing how they interact with Dabo. It, it is really, truly a family there. And Trevor Lawrence is, is not the guy that would leave his family in a lurch. And I think what he does at Clemson, it means just as much to him as achieving the dream of playing at the next level because to him, it's more than just a school, and it's more than just a program. You know, this is, he's playing this game with these guys, and he only has so many years to do that. And, and that's what they talk about, you know, before they go to the draft, is this is the last time I'll step out on the field with my brothers, and this is, you know, a chance for him to play with these guys again. So it never crossed my mind that he would opt out. He's just not that guy, and Clemson's just not that place. That's fantastic. Now... And I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be awesome. Whichever team gets him will be great. Now, I know that, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot, in the NFL, there's a lot of terrible teams, Giants, Jets, um, a whole bunch of, if you could name a team, in your opinion, I know that, I know you don't really cover the NFL, but if you could name a perfect landing spot, you can, you, you can name a perfect landing spot for Trevor Lawrence, where do you think he should end up? I feel like that's really tough because I guess you got to look at who needs a quarterback, first of all. Um, and I don't know too many – I mean, ideally I, – so I'm a Raiders fan, right? And, I mean, it's harder now that they're in Vegas, but I'm upset about it. But I, I'm still a fan to a degree. I feel like they need a quarterback. So I would love to see somebody 
who's as good as Trevor Lawrence quarterbacking for the Raiders. <laughs> but do I think that he fits in with their persona and their team and their, you know, and all that stuff? No, probably not. So, but you would have to look at teams that need quarterbacks, and I'm not sure. Um, I, w- I would, couldn't be able to speak confidently about who would need one, you know, but I right. do know that the Raiders, I would love to get rid of Derek Carr, so. Gotcha. Respect. I don't know if that's helpful yeah. at all. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's, it's respectful. No, I just, I, I was just curious because um, Trevor Lawrence is such a unique talent. He's touted as one of the best quarterback prospects since Andrew Luck, and I just hope that the one thing with, with NFL teams is it's, it's where you end up with because ultimately the team you end up with unfortunately could ruin quarterbacks. I mean, Browns have ruined quarterbacks. Jets are kind of ruining Sam Darnold. Um, you list a bunch of teams. You really need to be on a team that honestly can develop the, to his abilities on Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. I mean, that's what happened to Andrew Lux for sure. They never built him out an offensive line, and that basically killed him. But I don't really know enough about the teams that seem to value quarterbacks, but I guess it's because you only hear about the ones that don't. <laughs> yeah, and that, and, that, and that goes into, um, now here's another quarterback that people are just are left high on. What about Justin Fields? He seems like a guy that could that could help, and that, 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 that's very good. I mean, he's um he's in Ohio State, and Ohio State seems as a perennial um championship team. What do you think of Justin Fields? Yeah, Justin Fields definitely a good player. We haven't obviously had the opportunity to see you know the Big Ten yet, um, but we will, which is great. Um, I I thought he was really good last year. My last impression of him um was obviously the game against Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl. So I think that that definitely was more of his shortcomings than it did his strengths. Um, You know, he didn't do well that well under pressure. He had a hard time being mobile in that game. He had a hard time finding receivers. And I don't know how he is, like, when the game is on the line. It doesn't strike me that he's, like, that guy that you want to put hands and now maybe this season will be different for him um and he will show you know prove me wrong and show everybody that that's different but I think that it was right for him to come back and at least try and grow a little bit more as a quarterback um because he's definitely a leader in the locker room you just want to see him be able to lead in big games down the stretch on the field he's definitely athletic and he's very talented but to, to make him a franchise quarterback, I think he has to prove that he can win those big games. Even though it may be a little early, who do you think are the two in the running for the national championship? Oh, yeah, that is... <laughs> it is a little bit early, but I guess if I'm going to have to make a prediction, let's see. I Like I said, I really like Florida... I do like Florida, and I don't know, Clemson, the thing with Clemson is that they're at the top there already, and then you look at their schedule, and outside of the Miami game, which will be a a big test for them, and they have to win that if they want to stay where they are, they don't really have anybody else, you know, Georgia Tech is beatable, Syracuse is beatable, Boston College is beatable, 
they do play Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame is as good this year as everybody thinks, and I've never been sold on Ian Book ever. Um, I'm more interested in Notre Dame's ground game. And then they have FSU, who's not good this year, and Pitt, who is not as good as people think. I just covered them, and they are a good team, but Clemson should be able to beat them, and then they finish out with Virginia Tech. So, I don't know, Clemson always stays at the top because they have a favorable schedule, right? So, I like Clemson to do that. I have to see how they – if they get through Miami um, in, in the next two weeks, then I would say – I would say Clemson and, and maybe Florida would and, be good. But if Clemson does take that loss, then you have to start looking down, you know, the list a little bit at who, who could come possibly come for the crown. And that changes. And you've got Alabama in the mix. You know, LSU I don't think is going to be up there. I think Miami is a team to watch for sure. They're, they're definitely scary. Um But, yeah, if I had to go right now, I'd say Clemson and Florida, I suppose. <laughs> I I was just about to ask yeah. that too with Bama, who who do you think would be in their way on on their schedule to maybe stop them from going for the national championship? For Alabama. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess. I mean, their schedule is considerably harder. So they they get you know Texas A and M this weekend at home, which. They should win. Um, then they got to go to Ole Miss. The thing about Ole Miss that's interesting is Lane Kiffin doing different things there. I, I'm not sold on it, but a lot of people liked how they looked against Florida and think that maybe there's some they're better than people think. I think that's a, a win game for Alabama. But then you look at Georgia, you know, they get them at home, that's good. Uh, but then they got to go to Tennessee. That's not an easy place to play. And then you've got Mississippi State, who now is a contender in the sense that you've got a quarterback and a coach there running this airing offense that the SEC is not used to. And it's hard to stop unless you just have five-star, you know, secondary across the board. They're going to put up points on you. So Alabama has a bunch of obstacles to overcome if they want to remain undefeated and, and in that conversation. So I would say it's less likely for them um, to – get up there towards the top, you know? Right. Uh, now, um, A, are they still doing the Heisman? And B, if they are, who's in running for the Heisman? <laughs> that's another, that's a question that people were asking the other day on Twitter. And as far as I know, they are still doing the Heisman. I, I don't know the last time that there hasn't been a Heisman. Um, but, as far as I know, there will be a Heisman, and the question is who is going to be in it because you've got these staggered stars. I mean, obviously, right now we're looking at Trevor Lawrence. You know, you mentioned Justin Fields. I guess if you're looking at a running back, I don't even know. Uh, Hubbard, I guess, from Oklahoma State might, might still be in there, but then we haven't even seen Pac-12 play, and you know that the USC quarterback, Keaton Slovis, he's always in the conversation a little bit. Um, I, that's, it's a really good question. I don't know how they're going to do it this year, and I don't know how they're going to like match up guys that have played more games than other guys and bigger games because the, the Pac-12 playing against itself is a disadvantage a little bit um, for guys in that, in that conference because the games are not going to be counted as much, unfortunately, as if they would have a stronger... You know, you usually play Notre Dame, and they're usually playing... Um, Stanford. I don't know that there'll be that crossover this year, 
and that big opponent for them to to um, to show off with. But definitely look for KJ Costello, the Mississippi State quarterback, to be in the conversation. That that's going to be, and honestly, I think Derek King, the Miami quarterback, should be in there as well. So those will be two guys that we'll see. Got you. Um, another interesting question that I got to ask about this, 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 this college of football season, and you've been doing a lot. I know it's been trying, but have you on the games you covered? Have you able to see how the players have been reacting so far, or you haven't? Because I feel like the players are the, are also in a unique circumstance where they honestly never been. Yeah. That's, I mean, that was the first game I covered with Army, uh, Middle Tennessee, and Army had a unique situation. They had 4,000 cadets in the stands, especially uh, distant around, and those, and the thing about the cadets is they're on their feet the whole game. That's something a lot of people don't know, but the cadets are required to stand the entire game, and they got really loud. The Army actually had a stadium DJ for the first time, and he played incredible music, and the cadets were dancing and cheering and holding signs and everything. So my first experience, the players said that it was amazing. You know, the guys that we talked to after the game said the energy at Army Stadium was incredible and it kept them motivated and pushing. So that was one experience. And then, you know, the next week I went to Miami, which Hard Rock Stadium is huge, and they only let in about, I want to say, 10,000 fans. They were all spread out. And there was less crowd noise and less music which I think was weird for the Miami players. But I think what you're seeing here, and this is this is how I feel about it and how a few of the players have mentioned it, is they're really getting to celebrate with each other. It's becoming less about showing off for the fans and worrying about who's in the stands and whatever. But when they make great plays, they get to celebrate with their teammates and their coaches. And that's really the only positive reinforcement that they're getting at that point. So from what I've been told is it's bringing them closer together. The season is making teams closer and players bonded going through this experience because they have to keep each other pumped up. Otherwise, you know, they're going to fall flat. So teams are coming up with really unique um, celebrations after things. For example, at the Pittsburgh game, when they create a turnover, they do a turnover dunk. So the guy who gets the ball or creates the turnover comes over to the sideline where all the other teammates are gathered around with a basketball hoop and they dunk the ball a couple times. And they're not doing it for the fans, they're doing it for each other. So I think we're really getting to see these kids be kids again and enjoy the game of football at its core, which is nice. With with also you getting to cover college football also in a weird year, maybe do you appreciate sports a little more, especially when we went through the many, many months without them than maybe any other year that we've had sports? A hundred percent. I remember back in August when they were saying there was no Pac-12 and there might not be any college football at all. I was, I literally was on the ground in tears thinking, you know, this is my whole year is just based around the football season and running coverage of these games and, and traveling to new places and telling stories. And the thought of not being able to do that was just gut-wrenching. You know, it, it completely took me down. And I can only imagine that players were feeling <laughs> ten times more, you know, pain than I was in that regard. But when it started to slowly trickle and come back and, and I thought, okay, I can cover these games and tell these stories, 
it was such a, a grateful feeling for, for what I get to do and what I get to experience. And that's really what I'm hoping comes through in the stories that I'm telling this year is that we're so fortunate, those of us that work in sports, to be able to be a part of it and, and tell these stories and, and share this with fans and people across the country. And I'll definitely, I'll never forget this season and, and what it means that they got it off the ground and were able to have it. So it is special. It's different. It's, it's a lot of emotional things all in one. And every game is a different experience. And you don't really know what you're looking at. You know, in the past, I had, I had a very particular, you know, routine that I did on game day, and everything was very regimented, and I like to do the same things each time. But this time, you never know, walking into a stadium, what they're going to have you do and how you're going to do it. So it's, it's learning to kind of adjust and, and be different and be grateful that you're just getting to see football and tell stories at all. Um. Another thing that I have to ask is about, it's more of a, this is more for you, um, Emily, for how do you feel for, you know, when you do your podcast and you can actually not, this this goes back to the question on Nick Facts, but when you, when you got that call that calls, that college um, football is back and you're able to cover the games and you got material to talk for your podcast, how does it feel for you that you have material to talk for your podcast? It was good because I was definitely looking at a couple of hard months of creating some different kind of content. You, you definitely think, you know, I was doing all these interviews in the off season and working on some passion projects like my fullback story and a couple other things that are in the works. And so things were taking care of themselves for the most part up until everything fell apart. And and then you wonder, you know, how am I gonna how am I gonna keep content coming? How am I gonna keep this? into something positive, and uh, I'm so grateful to hear that we would have football and be able to keep, you know, interviewing people, and I definitely had plans in place ready to pivot and do some different things, Um, but I'm just glad that we're able to keep talking about football and dissecting games and telling stories of players across the country, so it, it was a scary feeling, but you really find out what you're made of when things change and fall apart at the drop of a hat, so... It was a good learning experience for me to never take any of this for granted and to always have a backup plan, always. (laughs) Who has, so far amongst your travels, who has been either the funniest person you've been around, you know, know, in in the press box, or the most serious, or who's been someone you can look up to? And just 
good at their job. So I've, I made some girlfriends this last time around. I think you guys had one of one of my friends, Taylor, on the on the podcast. So it's fun That's to right. see those connections kind of yeah. go. James, go. Yeah, I'm here. Go. Oh, yeah. I, 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 oh, oh, go, go, go. Oh, I didn't. Um, um, no, I, I, I didn't know if we were talking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just saying. But, um, no, you're fine. No, but what I wanted to say is, what I wanted to say is that, um, for me personally, to see, I usually don't really watch college football until it gets to, like, national championship like i don't really watch ncaa basketball until it gets to march madness but but i've been watching a, a decent amount of college football and i have to say it kind of gives me a personal appreciation that sports are just so fragile and i feel like with um with that being said um with college football returning and now the mountain west they're coming back um, are we going to have probably a weird, wacky kind of season where it's like it, like anything could happen? I honestly, with the Pac-12, you know, and, and West Coast football is so unique because you get all these late-night games. And, I mean, Pac-12 after dark is a real thing, um, and it's crazy. So I think it's tough because these conferences are coming back so late. And you've already got, what, you know, four or five weeks. But it'll be more than that. It'll be six, seven, eight weeks of football that's already been played. And then you throw these other conferences in. And, of course, there's going to be a bias against the fact that they haven't played yet. You know, and, and their games are going to mean less or count for less or whatever. So all of the West Coast, you know, teams and conferences are going to have to work extra hard to make people pay attention and I'm really hoping I mean this is a huge opportunity for the Pac-12 to they're only playing each other each game each opponent they know they really have to make these count they have to make people pay attention and I hope that coaching staff in these conferences try some things because at this point you know you're playing seven games what do you have to lose by throwing in a fake punt or a fake field goal or something you know some crazy wildcat play that makes other people pay attention if they start running the same cookie cutter stuff then that's you know no one's going to care and no one's going to pay attention and no one's going to want to give them a seat at the table so i hope that coaches take note of this and use this platform you know because this season is kind of an asterisk season anyways and might as well try stuff that will grab people's attention you know that'll look good in a highlight reel when the playoffs start for college do you think they'll go into a bubble? That's a really good question. I I have not heard that they will. And the problem is, um, you you look at the the cities that the games are in, and I guess this year it would be the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl year. So you're looking at Pasadena, and you're looking at. I think that's what it is this year, right? Am I am I right there? Let's see. Let's look. Um, but the cities are going to matter, you know, because you look at the national championship games, and it's in. I believe it's in Florida this year, right? Yes. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. You're looking. Yeah. 
looking at states that, you know, haven't really been that, like, Florida is completely open now, right? And so they're going to get this, like, fourth, fifth wave of whatever happens. But I, I don't know how you can bubble in something like that unless you were to pick a really safe state or environment um, and then try and put all the teams, you know, away from everything. The, the college football playoff, is, it's just not set up for that kind of um, situation. It's just spread across too many things. So I don't think – I think teams will do the best they can to keep their guys safe, but I don't think that will be on the playoff to, to do that kind of stuff. Got you. Um, yeah, it's 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 played in Miami this year. Wow. It's in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah see, that's, that's disconcerting because Florida. I mean, I was in Florida not long ago. It's it's pretty normal. Like everything's open. People are. You know, it's not exactly the safest environment. Probably the best place of all would be California because it's so strict here that they they would be on lockdown. So, it, 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 doesn't surprise, it doesn't surprise me, guys. It really doesn't. This is Florida we're talking about. We're not talking about New York or New Jersey. We did a good job of flattening the curve, although New York has some spikes in some areas, but that's neither yeah. here nor there. Like, you know, Jersey's done a decent job. We're talking about Florida. This is Florida <laughs> we're talking about. You, you can't be surprised. You can't be it's surprised. It's crazy because... The national championships there, but then the Super Bowl is also in Tampa. So I don't, yeah. I don't know like, yeah. what's going to happen. <laughs> what's going to happen is we're going to get another spike because people are going to be idiots. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, but um, my other question is um, sticking with the whole football theme. Um, is there, there? I know there's another quarterback uh, prospect out. Um, I'm really bad with names, but yeah. you know, I know. Yeah, there's another quarterback prospect out. Um, he's uh, just say it how it sounds. No, it's, it's shoot. He plays for um, Washington University of Washington. Oh. the University of Washington. Yes. Like the Huskies, Washington. Yes. Yeah, I they, see. they have, have another. That. They have another quarterback prospect that's um that's supposed okay. to be in the top ten. Let's see. Uh, I'm so sorry. Why am I? Why am I blanking on the name? This is something you should have no, told me earlier. Uh, no, no, you're fine. I I honestly don't. Um, I don't know who it. Uh, Jacob Sherman. Yes, yes, yes. How? Yeah. How does he look? Morris, and then they have um, a true freshman, Ethan Garber. So 
from what we were told, that they're all going to be competing. Um, and since they're just starting to get back into it now, I, I don't know that anyone has fully, you know, pulled ahead yet. But I do think that Washington is going to be one of the schools to watch. Everyone wants to talk about Oregon being the best in the North. But I honestly think it's going to be either Cal or Washington that's going to win the North. And then probably USC winning the South for the title game. Ooh, I like it. I like <laughs> yeah. it. I like it. Um, yeah. It's crazy because I know um, I know that uh, my boy Nick, I know he has USC. Nick, didn't you say that your family's big USC fans? Uh, yeah. It's more of a family ties thing. Um, you know my you know my uncle went there and my aunt went there. I I truly root for Alabama and and that pisses them off. So okay. <laughs> now um, gotcha. speaking of, speaking of USC, Emily, um, they've been struggling the last few years. They haven't been dominant in a while. Is this the year that they can actually make some noise because? Southern California, L.A. is all USC. Yeah, it's really important for the Pac-12. Unfortunately, it's important that that USC be good because that's that's what people think of when they think of Pac-12. Is they think of USC. They think of Matt Leinart and Buddy Bush and all the great you know players that have been part of that prestigious program. I I honestly don't know. Um, how good or not good they're going to look. I mean, they they have they did very well in the recruiting, so it looks like they're going to be kind of stacked. But again, these players haven't been practicing or doing anything. So honestly, it's going to be the team that shakes off the rust quickest. You know, it's the team that come in not out of shape because they have six weeks to get this together and you have to imagine that the Pac-12 is going to protect USC and Oregon a little bit when it comes to releasing the schedule this week because those are their best shots at, you know, contending nationally, but I don't really know because this conference doesn't always seem to believe in self-preservation, so honestly, uh, who knows? It's just kind of a shit show and we're all watching it, so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, Emily. We, we, <laughs> that that actually made me laugh. Um, we're gonna end this little bit of rapid fire college okay. edition, and you're gonna give me some answers on the top of your head. You ready? You ready? Yes. Okay. Right. Right. You're a little hesitant. There. You sure you're ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Ooh, I think so this year. They 
They have an incredible quarterback in Grant Wells, even though he's young. He's got an arm like a cannon. And they have a, a very, very good running back that's going to play on Sunday named Brendan Knox. He's incredible. So when you have that kind of balanced attack, and plus they're incredible defensively. Their linebacker, Devontae Beckett, he's also going to be an NFL guy. So they do have a very good team, and I'm excited to see them play the bigger teams, you know. But, yes, I do think they'll play. In a, uh, what's, what's more likely to happen, Alabama gets the national championship game or – to go to an to a NFL game this year? Yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking about it. I'm, I'm a good friend of mine is Joey Tesnet, and we have been doing some broadcasts for the Sunday I've been football. seeing like, those. Those, those are very good. Yeah, thank you. So we're doing another one this week. It's going to be Monday Night Football. Um, and he and I, he's a big Buffalo Bills fan. He was, I mean, oh. he and I are Raiders fans but he likes the Buffalo Bills Mafia, so he's been talking, trying to talk to me into going to a Bills game. Obviously, they're not having fans at this point, so we talked about maybe going to a game somewhere that does have fans, but I think this year, probably sit it out, and if we keep doing our NFL stuff, him and I, into next season, then we'll definitely go, so. Before you 
you get out of here, um, Emily, um, I I need you to like answer this one important question. Okay. Why is it that Mac Brown, all all this time in Texas and now is in North Carolina, why is it North Carolina getting the respect that they're deserving? Because he's really turned that team around. Why is Mac Brown not getting talked about? I think, honestly, I think that um, North Carolina was talked about um, early on. I don't, it's a good question because I don't feel like I'm hearing as much about them now. Um, But I remember, you know, seeing some people say, especially one of my friends, he coached with Mac Brown for a little bit. And he said that, that Mac is very good, that the team is very good, and they have an incredible quarterback. But... I think, you know, they beat Syracuse 31-6. That's decent. But there's just not enough measuring yet to, to say. they got to get through some of these other games on their schedule. I think Boston College is going to be an interesting game. If Boston College has way more fight in them than people realize. So I think, I think it, this game is going to be, like, after this game, people will be able to say, okay, this is real. Or... They're going to struggle and Boston College upsets them, and then it's like, okay, we told you so. But I'm not sold. I never was sold on North Carolina yet. I thought they were overhyped prior to the season. I'm not sold on the quarterback. So if they beat Boston College, maybe I will start talking about that more. But we'll see. you got to earn it. Fair. Fair enough. All right, Emily. Listen, I'm listening to your podcast. I'm in North Carolina, beats Boston College. I'm going to tweet at you, like, are you going to give the Tar Heels their respect now? I'm watching you. Yeah, and I will gladly do so, yes. Please do. Hold me accountable. Absolutely. I will definitely, definitely will. Take take care, Emily, and thank you again for coming on again, as always. Thank you guys for having me anytime. Take care. All right, so first I got to say, Emily, as always, thank you. You're fantastic. You're a star. And... One day we hope to meet you. Um, the Jaws, Joey, Joey O, man. Listen, I always thought you were a champion at heart. I always thought you were a cool guy, but I find out you're a Bills fan. So, if you hear this, we will love it if you come on the pod. Um, on the day you, you know. Won the hot dog eating contest again. I did slide in the DMs. But hopefully now you can come on. And not only will we talk about your prowess as a star with the hot dogs. And you know, I I do like hot dogs myself. Um, we have to talk about your bills. You know, staying little brothers to the New England Patriots. And that would be super great. Um, the Yankees are obviously up. 11-2. And three of these runs. Three. Count them, three. It's not just one little double. Nah, one little RBI double. No one cares about really. It's 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 It, it could be a fluke, some, some would say. But, when you go dead center in progressive field, not no little home run. Dead, I'm talking dead center, straight shot, as as some might call it, straight shot, moonshot to the moon, straight shot, my man Brett Garner, so yo, Clint, 
You're gonna hold my job. You're gonna chill on that bench for a little. I I may be older, but guess what, my guy? We doing this again next year too. So get used to riding the pine. Cause the guardy party don't stop just for anybody. My man hit a two-run home run tonight. Dead center. Alright, Clint could never done that. You wanna know why? Because you gotta be on the field to do something. So for anybody who doubted who and I know who you are. And the guy that I'm talking to was one of them. So Mr. James. Speak for yourself, man! Do you got anything to say to the people? The balls are juiced up from James. Oh, what a, what a hater. What a, you can't give it to him. You you can't give it to Cardi, really? Really? Uh, okay, fine, fine, fine. I, for those who don't know, I have a massive ego. And I'm prideful, and I hate giving it up. I hate giving up the people that I don't that I don't want. But Gardner shut me up. I'll give it to you, old man. You shut me up. Congratulations. Now, because of how he played last night, will you be pissed when you find out that he starts tomorrow? I actually would be a little annoyed because I, I would honestly why Gardner's playing like this. No, like, wait, 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 talking about Gardner, if Gardner gets benched for Clint? No, no, I said, no, I said, I said, after how he played tonight, will you still be annoyed if he starts tomorrow? No, because Gardner kind of earned it. He earned it. He earned it. Like, if Gardner starts tomorrow, he truly earned it. And it'd be very, it'll be very tough to give Clint a chance. And he did struggle for the end of the season, so I kind of would just ride Gardner until Gardner can't do it no more. And and I'll 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 be honest too, you know, from jump today and yesterday, I did say Clint should be in the lineup. Um, you know, but after a game like today, listen, my guy, you're not going to play. Also. There are a lot more righty pitchers than lefty pitchers, especially the Indians. Tomorrow, we're, we're either seeing Cookie or Plezak. And if there's game three, we're, we're seeing the other. So, there's there's no lefty starters coming out there for the Tribe. So, I will, I will be honest, bro. If the Yankees end up winning this game, which it looks like they will... I think they're going to go Plezak. Because now, because all hands on deck. i go Plezak and then save Cookie for game three. That's what I would do. I mean, Plezak might have nastier stuff. But... Oh, yeah. It's I, nasty. I have to go Cookie tomorrow. I'm, I'm saving... Why? Plezak has the... Plezak, Plezak has the has much better stuff. No, he has nastier stuff. I, I, I won't say absolute better. Carlos Carrasco is a very fantastic pitcher. So, well, so, 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 he, he's the guy I would fantastic. definitely want to go to. No, no, I'm not taking away from Cookie Carrasco. I think Cookie Carrasco is a fantastic pitcher. 
I think you want to go with the guy that has the better, nastier stuff. Especially, but if the Yankees play like this, like, you know, be patient, work the count, you know, a combination of the long ball and scoring runs. Because Yankees did both. Not only did they bless him with the home run, they also did score with running the scoring position. They did work the count. So that same approach has to be made tomorrow. Let's be real. No, no, no one thought tonight would happen. No one. There is not one person, whether it's in the Twitter world or the professional world, that thought this score would happen. So I'm going to go for the same thing tomorrow. I am not going to count on this kind of game tomorrow. I'm going to count on within five. Like 3-2, 4-1, 2-1. Max five two, you know, no no one with, and and also even more because the Indians are going to be up against it tomorrow's potential elimination. So I I can't see the Indians being being swept. If you want the Yankees and Geo double oh what a what a catch. What a catch! But uh, like like even even though I had the Yankees losing, I didn't have them getting swept. So I will not be surprised if there's a game three. Well, well, I have the Yankees losing as well too, but I didn't think they were gonna get swept. If Cole pitched how Bieber pitched, oh yeah, we got we got spanked. But my only fear is. Are we going to get playoff Tanaka, or are we going to get, you know, sloppy Tanaka? The thing is, you got to know what kind of home run he gives up. If if they're up 4-1 and he gives up a solo, no big deal. But if it's 0-0 and he gives up a 2-3 run shot, and there's five innings for the offense, don't let... Don't let Giancarlo get hot. Hey, welcome to the party, baby. Big Giancarlo Stanton says, yo, me and Judge have a home and we're not going to lie. We're sorry, Yankee fans. But, y'all, we can't let Guardian Glaber have all the fun. We got a home too, baby. Let's do it in these streets. And all the Yankee fans are happy in these streets. And all the Indian fans are like, oh man, what? Yo, can we go home? I don't want to be in this ballpark anymore. Where's these cowboy people at, bro? I love when Stan hits a home run when the game is pretty much decided. Yo, what you mean? There's no clock, my guy. For all for all we know, this game can end 12-11. You don't know. Well... Before we get on out of here, um, I gotta say, um, if, if I am part of Thirty Thirty Club, yesterday was my birthday. I'm officially part of Thirty Thirty Club, so yes, I've reached old man status. Um, the positive is I got a hole in one, and that's the best, best thing. So I got a hole in one, one mini golf. Um, overall, I gotta say this was probably the best, you know, weekend turning 30 I've had, and I know I said this before, and I know Nick is going to be like, oh my god, you said it like 25 trillion times, I don't care. I show my appreciation to people, Ashley, Julian, Nick, Bobby, 
Big Steve. Thank you guys so much for making this old man feel young. And uh, why why don't you tell the people about uh another cameo? Oh uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, see, guys. Normally, I thought, okay, I'm just gonna. I got a Chris Carlin cameo. That was cool. But what did Nick do? Now nah, one cameo ain't good, bro. We gotta get you the best. And what better cameo to get me than Meredith Morakovich? Meredith Morakovich, thank you so much. That that was awesome. And Nick, thank you for the awesome Meredith Morakio cameo. I truly am appreciated, man. This is truly a blessing. And yeah, man, um, I can't wait. And also, in a couple of weeks, um, we got Big Steve. He's going to turn 31. So he gets to join you, Nick, in the 31 Club. And then our brother... Julian Gallardi, his birthday's gonna be upcoming too. Yeah, me, me, and him and his friends will be in a city next week, and then on Sunday we'll be up in these Jersey streets watching some uh, football. And the Patriots got moved from one o'clock that Sunday to four twenty-five. So there's that. Hopefully, this schmuck over here will join us. And come through it and stumble on these Jersey streets and make them kind of cool because you know Jersey, eh, it's okay. It's 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 not popping, but it it it, it can be better. And uh, tomorrow we're gonna we're gonna talk a little hockey. Yes, we're gonna yes we're gonna do that hockey tomorrow. Who we talking hockey with? We gotta guess who does hockey. For, for a team, I think, in college. And, uh, and and also congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning for, you know, ending hockey because no, no, yes. no one wants to continue to see NHL games. But props to the National Hockey League for, uh, you know, potential, you know, for finishing it and getting through with a good season. Uh, I gotta say this, and I know we're probably running on time, but the NHL did a fantastic job with its bubble. That was some fun hockey. I truly enjoyed it. It was fantastic. Congratulations to Tampa Bay Lightning. Congratulations to former Rangers and Ryan McDonough and Kevin Shattenkirk. You guys won the Stanley Cup. Especially for Kevin Shattenkirk, who grew up a Ranger fan. I know he wanted to to win the Stanley Cup in 2015 when he was on the team, when he played for the Rangers, when he lost to those same Tampa Bay Lightning in the conference finals. Um, it's good to see him. McDonough's a really good guy. He deserves the Stanley Cup. And that whole team, man, that Tampa Bay was dominant. I know um, I give Dallas props. They tried their best, but they, they lost to a team that was just better. Um, give Tampa Bay all the credit. John Cooper did a really good job. Sam Coates finally gets that elusive championship he's so desperately been wanting after years of losing in the first round, losing in the conference finals, choking and choking. They finally get the cup that they so desperately wanted. It's their second Stanley Cup, their first Stanley Cup since 2004. Congratulations to Tampa Lightning. And tomorrow will be official. The Henrik Lundqvist tour is over. It is done. They have agreed to a buyout. They, Henrik Lundqvist 
career as a ranger is like Yeah, I saw eight million dollars to walk away. Imagine getting paid that much money to walk away. <laughs> yeah. Um Lundquist has one or two choices. He could go on a team to to win a cup so he can say he, he had a cup or he can retire. And I That's what he should have done, man. That's exactly what those are those are his only two options. And and last quick plug, please follow Sports Gossip Girls on Instagram. They are giving away a thirty dollar Fanatics gift card. They will announce the winners October fifth. Guys, follow Sports Gossip Girls. These girls are fantastic. And that is all the time we have. That's definitely right. So everybody take care. Go Yankees. Go Guardy, and no one wants to see that red-headed Thunder loser anymore because the Guardy party don't stop just for anybody.